Well, Happy New Year. It's 2020. That sounds like the future, doesn't it? I mean, it's like way in the future, like the space odyssey or something. 2020, it's a new decade, so happy decade. It's a new 10 years. Yeah, so thank God we get to see another decade. I've lived through a lot of them. And uh, we're going to start a brand new series today. We're going to start a brand new focus for 2020, actually for the rest of our life. They're not making you, I'm not asking you to make a big commitment just for the rest of your life. I'm just, I'm just praying that this is the best year. I was like, Lord, what, what is this about? He said, can you believe God for one good year? Well, then can you believe God for the best year of your life? I mean, I know some of you have been through some pretty good stuff, but you know, I used to think as the older you got it, the worse it would get. And honestly, the older you get, the better it gets. And I just want to say that I'm believing God for the best year yet. And I'm really so bold as to believe that he can give you 10 good years. But I'm not asking you to go that far. I'm just asking you to believe for one great year. Every change that comes this year will be a positive change. And we're praying for change. Some of you might like it just like it is, but I'm going to say I'm praying for change. Because I know it can always get better. That's what the sign means out there. I don't care what you got. There's always more with the Lord. Amen. So we're asking God to do that this year. But I'm going to warn you right up front that this, this message today may be offensive to some of you because I'm going to use a four-letter word that's offensive to many of you. So I'm just warning you right now. And that word is goal. <laughs> what? What did y'all think it was? Okay, it's goal. I mean, because you don't like to hear goals. Oh, nobody wants to set goals. Everybody wants to just drift down the river like a leaf, and let God take them where they can. You know, that's the spiritual way to live. Well, I'm going to here to talk to you today about goals, and I'm not going to try to pound you into anything. I'm just going to talk to you about something that's very godly and very spiritual, and it's goals. The definition of a goal is the result or achievement towards which an effort is directed, which means it's your aim, it's your end game. That's a goal. You have this goal, and it's the end game. It's like we've shared before, and I shared this that Krista shared on a prophetic teaching one time. We have an anchor that anchors us to the future. It's a prophetic goal that God says, this is my heart for you. And you have a destiny. You have a goal. And that's what God has for you. And that's the anchor that moves you uh, down a straight line to your future. I mean, some anchors are for your past. And some, some of you are anchored in the past. And you can't move forward because you're dragging an anchor. And the truth is, God wants you to set your anchor in the future so you can go towards a prize, towards a goal. And that's what we're talking about today. So I just wanted to warn you right up front, we're going to talk about goals. I'm going to ask you to set goals for 2020. Now, there's the other disclaimer. If you don't want to do anything, <laughs> this is more. You don't have to do anything. I'm not going to make you do anything. So if you don't want to, just say, I don't want to. You know, we only have one rule, and that's keep your shirt on. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But I'm encouraging you to do it because there's a corporate... There's a corporate synergy when we do things together as a church. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but people that like try to weight, lose weight together, if they do it with another person, they're 50% more successful than people that do it by themselves. 
It's, it's just a proven fact that if we do something together and if we share the victories and we share our, our uh, goals, then we're going to do more. And so I'm asking you to participate. But there again, you don't want to, you don't have to. But I'm going to just preach today about what it means to set goals. We're going to focus on health. Now, when people hear that, they think I'm talking about their body, just their physical body. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not talking about, okay, we're all going to lose 40 pounds. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your health. And your health has to do with your whole being. So we're looking at about seven areas that we're going to focus on. Seven things. Your health spiritually. Your walk with the Lord. You know, where are you today? And where do you want that anchor to be set for the future? Do you want to grow in the Lord in 2020? Then I'm going to talk about some ways that you can do that. Financially, are you where you want to be? Then how are you going to get to where you want to be? Physically, of course, physically, we all want to be healthier. We all want to be physically fit. But how are we going to reach that? How are we going to do that? Nutritionally, a lot of people don't get this one. But I can tell you this. It is very important what you consume. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible. But if you've read the Bible, you realize God spent a lot of chapters talking about food. And what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. He's very concerned about your nutrition. You think he's not? Some people think, oh, he's just concerned about spiritual things. You know? No, he's concerned about you. And that's part of you. So we're going to talk about that. Your emotional health. You know, sometimes people have bitterness in their soul. It chokes them down. Sometimes people live under such a burden emotionally that they can't do anything spiritually. Some people are so tied up in the past that they can't get free for their future. And we're talking about that in 2020. We want to get healthier emotionally and mentally. And, you know, one area, in men, like the mental people say, well, what are you talking about mentally? And I talked about it last week when I talked about the church and relationships. It's very important that you have healthy friendships and relationships for your mental well-being. But you know what else is, if you're bored, if you're bored with life, bored with where you are, bored with the Bible, bored with church, bored with God, bored with your marriage, bored with your job, bored with life in general, do you realize that that is a spiritual issue and that it has to do with sometimes the way you think? We're going to try to move off high center on some of these things and try to move down the road towards what God wants us to do. But before we jump off and do any of this stuff, you have to answer one really, really important question. And it's the most important question of all this series that we're going to do. And it's the question of why. Why would you want to do this? Why do you want to do it? Because I can't tell you the why. I can tell myself my why, but I can't tell you yours. And if you can answer the question of why you would want to do this, get on this journey with God, get on this journey with the church, and, and, and try to make 2020 um, as good as you can make it, try to set some goals and try to reach those goals and grow in the Lord in 2020, if you can answer that why, guess what that gives you? That gives you a motivation. If you have no motivation or if you have a wrong motivation, you, you, you're either not going to start, or if you start, you're going to stop real quick. You have to have a why that's personal to you. You have to have a motivation that motivates you to do what I'm asking you to do. 
Because if you don't have one, there's no reason to even start. So the most important question you can ask yourself is, why would I want to do this? And if you're like me, you look at that list and you go, I may be good in several of those areas, but there's some areas that I really do want to grow. There's some areas that I really feel like God is challenging me to do, you know, put forth some effort. And that's what we're going to try to do this year. You know, motivation's a funny thing. Uh, I've always tried to watch my weight. I've always tried to keep it a certain place. And uh, when I was younger, my motivations were not good. I mean, there's a lot of times that I wanted to be a certain way. I wanted to look a certain way because I thought it made me more attractive. And I liked the attention to being more attractive. And some of you may laugh at that, but there was a time that I was... I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say <laughs> it wasn't as bad as it is today. That's all I got to say. And now my goal on losing weight is like I'm older and I always want to be thin enough and limber enough to cut my own toenails. That's it. So that's where, that's where it goes. You know, really, those are both pretty bad motivations. That's not a great motivation, Okay. But it is a motivation. But there's a better reason for wanting to do this. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. I, I really want you to find the why inside your brain. I want you to find the motivation inside your heart. And if you don't find one, like I said before, you don't have to do a thing. But I really want you to examine this before the Lord. The, fir the first and greatest motivation in my heart, in my opinion, is, is from God and how he views us. He said... Paul's writing this in Corinthians. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I mean, he says that. It's a rhetorical question. He says it expecting you to say, well, yeah, I know. It's just... He's saying, do you know what that means? There's a question behind the question. Do you know what that means? Do you realize that the first temple, that when God said, I'm going to look all over the earth, and whenever I find a place that I want to dwell, I will dwell there. His physical, tangible presence in the temple and he said but before i get in that temple you've got to build it just like this all the elements have to be built like this they have to be placed here they have to be done here and then when everything was done the way god said to do it his spirit filled the temple and his glory was there and that's where he dwelt he's saying to us don't you realize that God's no longer living in a man-made building? He's no longer living. He's living in you. Do you not think that Paul is implying that the same care and consideration that went into building God's place to dwell on the earth in the physical form would be the same care and consideration that we should take when we look at our own body? That we should go, man, am I prepared for the living God to be inside me? You know what the, the temple was, don't you? It was, a, it was like a, a gleaming testimony of God's glory. They built it in such a way, and they built it with such magnificence and with gold and these white blocks. And they said in history that, that they could see it for miles, that people would be traveling to, they would be doing their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they could see the temple for miles on the Temple Mount because it was gleaming in the sun. That, I can't help but think that God wants us in our bodies to be a shining example of his glory. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk to you about some self-help program or something. I'm talking about your motivation, your why. I want to I house God's glory 
And I want what's on the outside to somewhat resemble what God's put in the inside of me. Because he goes on and he says, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God. This is not anything you earned. God wants to dwell inside of you. He wants to dwell in you, and he's given his spirit to you. And then he goes on and he says, you don't belong to yourself. I realize we're all Americans. We're all raised fiercely independent, and we can do whatever we want to do. Freedom rings. We, we're free to do whatever we want to do. But that's not the way God sees it. He said, I gave you a body. I choose to dwell in your body. You know, and you didn't, it's not even yours. It's his. It's his temple. It's his tabernacle. It's him. You don't belong to yourself because God bought you with a high price. You, you do realize that you're the most expensive thing on the face of the earth. That when God took Jesus and sent him to, to earth to die for us, that the price that was paid for me was the highest price that's ever been paid in the history of the world. There's no piece of art. There's no antique. There's no great car. There's no anything that surpasses the value that God paid for you. He's saying, I bought you with a very high price. You don't belong to yourself. If you thought you looked at a $10 million painting, would you expect it to be spectacular? If you looked at a, a priceless statue that had been carved out of granite, would you not expect it to be spectacular? How come we don't look at ourselves and expect it to be spectacular? We're the most expensive thing that's ever been purchased. And he said, I bought you with a very high price. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to me. I want to do what I want to do. Well, you don't belong to you. I'm sorry, I didn't write the book. I'm just the messenger here. So you must not, it's kind of a suggestion, kind of strongly suggest. He said, no, you must honor God with your body. We can be fiercely independent. He loves us anyway. He loves us. Come as you are, not as you should be. And I can tell you, his love never changes, whether we try or don't try or do anything like, his love never changes. But the deal is, there's got to be a motivation that hits my heart, that hits my brain, that makes me know that this is a bigger deal to God than sometimes it is to me. That he wants us to put forth effort. Why? Because our goal for all of us is spiritual growth. You may not think goals are spiritual, but they are very spiritual. And I talked about this last week, but here's the deal. You know, God made us in his image. Therefore, we're triune beings. That means we're, there's a trinity out there. There's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they're all God. They're all God. When Jesus speaks, it's God. When God the Father speaks, it's God. When the Spirit speaks, it's God. They're all God. And we're, we're three pieces, but we're all one person. We're body, mind, and soul, but we're all one spiritual being. And there's no difference. I mean, you can't grow spiritually if you don't do some of the things that help you to grow in the physical or in the intellectual or in your emotions. It's all part of spiritual growth. You don't, 
separate that out. It's one person. You're made in the image of God. You know, I've just walked with the Lord long enough to know that as spiritual as I want to be, sometimes I have a headache and I can't even function. I don't want to answer ministry calls. I don't want to go see people. I can't even think. You know, something as simple as a headache can shut me down spiritually. My spiritual man could be deader than a doornail because I have a headache. You know, I can carry bitterness in my heart. I can carry unforgiveness in my heart. And it will make me hard. And it will make me callous. It will make me sarcastic. It will make me bitter towards people. And I can't do my job because I'm emotionally immature and I haven't grown past that point. I've had those things happen to me. You can't separate your emotions from your spirit, man. You can't hate your, you know, hate your husband and love the Lord. The Lord says that clearly in his word. You can't hate your brother and love the Lord. You're just lying to yourself. These things are all mixed up. And he wants us to grow. You know, our minds are part of our intellect. It's, we think, oh, our mind, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, the spiritual man, we can feed him with the Bible, but we can go over here and we can look at pornography in our mind and fill our mind with garbage and garbage and garbage and expect it not to hurt your spiritual man. I'm sorry. It hurts it. I'm just saying you've got to realize that this is all connected. And when I start to say all this stuff, it's a very spiritual quest. We're going after the Lord. But if you think you can go after the Lord and leave your body behind, you're wrong. All three parts make up who we are. So we've got to be motivated. We've got to be motivated in the right way. We've got to answer that question as why. And God gives us lots of motivation. He says everything we're to do, we're to do in love. You know, not, not fear or guilt or pride. All those are poor motivators. They, you may try to motivate yourself by looking in the mirror and go, Oh, you're a slob. You better love. That, that's, not a mo that's not a good motivation. That's not love. And love is our quest. I don't know if you know that, but we've been put here, left here by God, to learn to love one another and to love God and to love ourselves. So everything we do should be motivated by love. That changes our perspective. Love's our motivation because it's the reason we do everything, or it should be. And, you know, whenever I think about my motivations and the why I want to be healthy, you know, I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I want to be healthy. I want to live a long time. I want to be, I feel like I have a valuable place in their life. I want to be there for them. I never had that growing. I lost everyone in my family before I was very old. And I don't want my kids to have that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be premature and dying. And I know things can happen that are out of our control. And I'm not saying if you live this way, you're insulated from things happening to you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I can do everything I can do to try to live the way God wants me to live. Because I love my kids and I love my grandkids. That's a great motivation. That's a great why I would want to do this. Because I want to live a long time. They need me. You know, I, 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 want, to, I want to do this because my wife deserves me to be healthy. You know, we did. We stood in vows and said, for better, for worse. And, 
You know, that means, you know, if anything bad happens, God forbid, that you would be there to take care of them. Of course you would. That's not the point. The point is, why would I just live any way I want to live, do whatever I want to do, and then expect her to pick up the pieces whenever it falls apart? How could that be love? How could motivating, how would that be love motivating me? That's not love. That's selfishness. So everything we do should be motivated by love. I'm going to be financially secure, you know, because I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I love, and I don't want to be a burden. I want to be financially secure because I love this church, and I never want to put myself in a place where I can't at least tithe. You know, so I want to be financially secure. And I'm motivated by love because I love this place, I love this work, and I feel like if this church didn't exist, there would be a giant hole in this city. And I believe that, and I love this place, and I want to support it. So it's up to me to get my finances in a place where I can. That's my responsibility, not God's. He's not going to wave a magic wand. There's reasons we do things, and the why is so important. You're motivated by love. And I can guarantee you this, if our motivations are right, if we're motivated by love and, and it matches God's heart, that these verses are absolutely 100% true. That when we commit everything we do to the Lord, we trust Him, He's going to help you. I was talking about doing goals a minute ago. When you set a goal, it should be something that you can't accomplish on your own. Because if it is, you're not trusting God for it. And in 2020, I want you to set a goal that only you and the Lord can accomplish. And I want your goal to be, you're motivated by love, and I want it to be motivated by the right thing, and then I want you to trust God with him, with it, and just believe that he's going to help you to get to that goal. And then this one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we had a funeral service yesterday for Chuck Malier and Chuck, love Chuck, and some of you may not have known him, but Chuck was, Chuck was a great guy. And he passed on December 24th. But, you know, Chuck had an 18-year meth addiction. 18 years. I've never known anybody that had an 18-year meth addiction. And um, he said he tried to quit over and over and couldn't. And he just hated it. Hated himself. Hated everything. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Said he'd never strung together 30 straight days unless he was in jail or in rehab for all those years. And he said, I could never quit. And he said, I was, I was hopeless. I was 46 years old. I'd never done anything with my life. It had been terrible from the time I was a kid. I'd never made good decisions, and I was hopeless. And he said, I was in prison, and I fell to my knees. And I said, God, please come in and help me. And that was the verse he said. I want you to read that verse at my funeral. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I can tell you, when he hit his knees in his prison cell, and the Lord came into his heart. Guess what? He was able to do what he could never do before. And for 18 years, he struggled. He couldn't do it. But God gave him the strength. And he put it down. In 12 years, he walked with the Lord before God brought him home. I can tell you, this is true. His motivation was pure. His motivation was, God, I just don't want to die a drug addict. I want to die loving you. And he did. I just 
You know, there, there is such an important element in our life to have goals. And some people think they're just not spiritual. Then why does the Bible just have, it's loaded with goals. <laughs> I mean, the Bible's loaded with things. This, I just pulled out some. You know, make it your goal in life to live a quiet life. And God's telling us, you, you should have goals, and one of them is to live a quiet life. Let, your, let love be your highest goal. He's saying have goals, and the highest one should be at the end of your life. You should say, I love everybody. I just love, love, love. I mean, that should be your highest goal. Shouldn't be to stack up money to the moon unless you're going to give it away. Your highest goal should be love. And then your goal should be to please him. To please him, not you. I think sometimes we get this idea that our highest goal is to please me. And I'm going to do what makes me happy. And as a result of that, we become very selfish and self-centered. And our goals don't match the goals that God has for us. The Bible's loaded with goals. So we set goals because the Bible tells us to. And here's another reason to have a, good, have a goal. Because God has goals. I'm like, what? God has goals? I don't know if you know this about God. God not only has goals, God has plans to reach his goals. Really? I thought he was just like, you know, real spiritual. And he didn't, that, that is spiritual. It's called spiritual discipline. When your plans match God's plans and you set goals that match God's goals, you're walking out a spiritual life. It's called a spiritual discipline. Nobody wants to do that, but you don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. And your goal is to please him. So God has a goal, and here's God's goal. God plans, there it is again, to bring all of history to its goal in Christ. Then Christ will be the head of everything in heaven and on earth. That's the goal. When God created everything, even though he's spirit and he dwells in all of eternity, God still is a linear God. We like to think about God in time, you know, he doesn't have any time, but I'm telling you, God's a linear God. When he set this thing in motion, he figured out in a linear way how to accomplish his goal, and he had a plan, and he put every single person on the earth at a strategic time to, so that his plan could eventually unfold, and he would see his goal, which is Christ, over it all, and all of heaven and earth would be under the authority of Christ. Now, that's easy to believe for the world, isn't it? Well, I'm just asking you if it's easy to believe for you, because if it doesn't happen with you, it's never going to happen with the world. If you don't bring your own life under the authority of Christ, he will never be the head of you, because he's not. His goal is to bring everything under the submission and the authority of God, under the submission and authority of Jesus Christ. So we come under the submission of the authority of God and everything we do should line up with everything his plans and goals have. It, let me just say this. If the church can't come under the authority of Christ, don't expect the world to. We're, we're, we're his children. We're the temple on the hill. We're the shining glory of God. We carry the glory of God. And he wants us. To walk as vessels that carry that glory. That's why Jesus said, 
when you pray. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because that is the goal of God. You're praying in agreement. And here's another great goal. Just whatever you drink or eat, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can you believe that's in the Bible? <laughs> whatever you eat and drink, do it for the glory of God. Can you, you hear what he's saying here? He's saying bring everything you do under the authority and the lordship of Christ and live your life in a, with an idea, with a mindset of I am going to live for God's glory. I'm not going to live for my own glory. I'm going to live for God's glory because when we do that, we're bringing our goal and our plans right underneath exactly what God has for this earth. And we play a part in that. I think this is part of what we're seeing. We're seeing this particular kind of mindset, this focus, break out in churches all over the United States. I didn't even know that when God put this in my heart and I began to talk to a pastor friend of mine that showed me he had been visiting some churches in America and he showed me some of the different things they had already planned to do in 2020 and they all lined up with this and I believe it's for exactly this reason that God is calling us to a higher place he's calling us to a deeper commitment because it is getting to the point where the world needs God and the world needs a church that's on fire for God and I believe that's what we're seeing we're gonna you know we're not supernatural without God but we certainly are natural and we can do the things in the natural. We can be mindful of the things that we do. And we can do it for the glory of God. No, it won't be easy to submit everything to the glory of God. But it starts somewhere. It's a goal. It's something we want to do. But to have a goal, you've got to start with something, and it's called an honest assessment. <laughs> a truthful assessment of your life. All of those seven areas... A truthful assessment. You may be great in six of the seven areas I threw up there. You may be great in six of the seven, but maybe there's an area that God says, I really want you to listen to me about this. I'm not here to beat anyone up. I'm here to challenge you to commit in this next year, this next coming year, decade, whatever, that you would honestly assess your life in the light of God's and let him show you areas where maybe you need to grow spiritually. You know, you say, well, I want to know at the end of 2020, I want to know my purpose. I want to feel 100% sure with God, secure with God. I want to be in my, and I want to be in a ministry. I want to know this. So that's your goal. That's your long-term goal. And you can't know that without God. But your short-term might be, you know, I never get up in the morning. I never spend time in the Word. I never spend much time in prayer. I'm never specific in what I do. And so your first step might be so simple as 15 minutes early, getting up, getting in the Word, and getting in prayer, and getting to know God. And then maybe God challenges you. Well, maybe you need to come up front during worship so that you can, you can just be totally uninterrupted during worship and you can connect with God. And maybe the next thing you need to do is dare to step out and begin to serve something in the church, serve someone in the church. Maybe there's these different steps that you take so that at the end of 2020, you go, you know what? Through these, these baby steps that I took coming this direction, I have found out my purpose and what God wants me to do. That's how it works. It's an honest assessment. No more lying. No more justifying. Let me explain it like this. 
It says in Hebrews 12 that we're supposed to be running a race, unhindered, running a race towards a goal. You ever read that? You know? Let, you know, don't let things hinder you. Run your race. So we're supposed to be running this race of life. And it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You run it your whole life. And he says, you've got a goal, and that goal is to reach your purpose and design destiny in God. That is every one of our goals. He wants you to know why you were created, and he wants you to be living in that, that purpose. So that's the race you're running. But let's just say that over here, you're trying to run your race, and you've got a rock in your shoe. Have you ever had a rock in your shoe? It's the most annoying thing in the world, right? <laughs> Especially if you're trying to walk. And so, but you're trying to run. So you're trying to run, and you're like, I got this rock in my shoe, rock in my shoe. It's like, ugh, it's a rock in my shoe. I can't, I can't run. You know, I got a rock in my shoe. And everybody's passing you. Come on, come on. You say, oh, I can't. I got a rock in my shoe. And they start calling you limpy and everything. So you just, you can't, you can't run. So you, this is what this is about. Why, why can't you run your race? It's because I have a rock in my shoe. Well, then do an honest assessment. You say, I have a rock in my shoe. Okay, well, now what's next? Don't ignore it. Don't justify it. Don't say, well, if I get that one out, I'll just get another one. So I don't even get it out. No, if there's something hindering you walking towards your destiny in God, you need to stop, do an honest assessment, and say, what's hindering me? I've had so many people in my life tell me, I, I just feel like I'm a giver. I feel like I want to give to to the church and to God and to his purposes, yet I don't have any money. I don't make enough. I don't... I just want to say this. If God has told you in your heart you're a giver, it is your responsibility to stop and take an honest assessment of your finances and to line yourself up with God's plan. And you, it's not about the amount, people. The widow's might proves that. It's about your heart. Yeah. Let, me, let me just say it this way. God cares more about the why than he does about the what. He wants your heart to be tender towards him. Now, what you give... It may not ever amount to much in the world. But the truth is, if God's made you a giver, set yourself up financially so you can do what God's called you to do. But you don't get there overnight. You have to stop and take an assessment and get that thing out of your shoe. And then you have to, or you have to make specific attainable goals to get it out of your shoe. You've, you've, you've made an honest assessment. You know what the problem is. And now you're not going to justify it. You're not going to ignore it. You're going to sit down, take off your shoe, hold it up in the air. The rock's going to fall out. You're going to put your shoe back on, and then you're going to get up and go, hey, I can run my race. Why would you learn to walk with a rock in your shoe and tell everybody it's just your cross to bear or your thorn in your side or your spiritual burden whenever it's not? It's just something you need to get rid of or deal with. That's what we're talking about. That's why we're doing this. We're getting the rocks out of our shoes. So we can go on with God. Spiritually, financially, nutritionally, physically, relationships, mentally, emotionally. We're going to stop ignoring it and justifying it. We're just going to begin to go forward. And there's four kinds of people. You may have heard this said, but there's four different kinds of people in the world. There's those people that make things happen. There's people that watch things happen. There's people who don't know what's happening. <laughs> and then there's those people who never do anything themselves but criticize those that do. Four kinds of people. And I just want to say, you have to decide this year what kind of person you're going to be. 
Because I've always, in my mind, I always want to think I'm one of those people that wants to make life happen. I don't want to be passive and let life come to me. Every time I've done to that, and every time I've done that, every time I've taken the road of least resistance and just gone with my emotions or gone with whatever and not tried to discipline myself, I've ended up in a jam every single time. So you need to be intentional and decide what kind of person you're going to be. And I hope you're not that fourth kind. Because we're going to try to do this together. And things are going to be happening. You're going to hear a lot of testimonies. There's going to be a lot of people getting free. There's going to be a lot of people's lives changing. And you have to decide right now where you're going to be on that journey. And don't despise the small beginnings. You know what this verse is talking about? Don't despise the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He's just glad you're doing something. It's just small beginning. It doesn't matter. It's a small beginning. He's talking about in this verse, in context in this verse, Jerusalem's walls had been torn down and they were going to rebuild the walls and it was just they had a very ragtag force and they were barely making any progress. And, the, and it's like he said, don't despise those small beginnings. You're starting. Don't beat yourself up because the wall's not built. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, don't despise this. Isn't that funny that it's about Jerusalem? It's about the walls. It's about where the temple was. It's about where God's presence was back in those days. He's saying the same thing to us. There's times we have to take note of our physical being, take note of our whole person, and say maybe there's some places you need to rebuild your wall. Maybe you need to work on the wall a little bit. And, and, and don't despise those small beginnings. You know, Sophia Ramirez stopped me last night and was talking to me. We were talking about this focus next year. And she said, man, I, did, I was a little nervous about it. I really wanted to do it. But she said, I've never been able to lose weight. I'm, I, my weight just doesn't go up or down. All my life I've been about the same. And it, I never am motivated to do diets or anything. She said, I didn't really know what to expect, what to do. And she said, so I was just praying about it. This is a couple of months ago. She said, I was praying about it. And the Lord just spoke to me about my Dr. Pepper's. And she said, I drink Dr. Pepper all the time. I've done it all my life. And she said, I never thought about it, but God said, you need to just lay that down. And she's like, I can't. You ever been addicted to Dr. Pepper? Yeah. I know a bunch of you have. It's like worse than drugs sometimes, but it's bad. So she didn't think she could do it. You know what? She laid it down. She said, Lord, I'm going to trust you to do this because I really want to go into this year and I want to lay this down because I know it's not good for me. And so my motivation is I want to be healthier and I know it's not good for me. She, you know what? She hadn't had a Dr. Pepper in two months. And she told me, she told me, she said, uh, you know, I did it just because the Lord told me to. And now I've lost seven pounds in two months. You know, it's so funny. Just don't despise small beginnings and don't despise little things God asks you to do. You know, it's the old saying, how do you eat it? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I mean, it's the same thing. I've never eaten one, but I'm take your word for it. But this is a great quote from a guy that was a, uh, a war hero, Navy SEAL. And this is a quote from him. He's talking about war. He's not talking about spiritual things or all that stuff. He's talking about war. And he says, most of us aren't defeated in one decisive battle. We're defeated one tiny, seemingly insignificant surrender of the time that chips away at who we should really be. I thought, man, this is so powerful. He's, you know, he's a, he's a war guy, and he's talking about how you win wars. He said, you don't really plan everything just to win the big battle. He said, you have to win every little skirmish along the way. 
And that's exactly true in the spirit realm. You know, we have this goal. We have this thing. And that's the big battle. You don't worry about winning it all at once. You worry about doing it little by little by little because this is how we find ourselves in a mess, but it also can be turned around, and you know that's how we can find a victory. It says you aren't defeated by a decisive battle. Well, you don't win this thing with one big battle. You win it a little bit at a time. You know, we win one tiny, seemingly insignificant surrender at a time that chips away but, or it, that helps build us back into who God intended us to be. And I think about Sophia and her Dr. Peppers. It's one little insignificant thing to many people, but it was a huge thing to her. And it was the first of many. So she's now excited to go into this new year and just get before God and say, God, reveal where I'm at. Let's do an honest assessment. What do I need to do here? And God says, you know, he, God's the most loving father. If When you pray, if you hear God scolding you or calling you names, you're, that's not God. He is so kind. He speaks to you in your own language. He's never going to ask you to do something that's too hard for you to do. He, he's going to ask you to do something that he wants to help you do. He's not going to put you in a place of frustration. Did, did you hear what I said? So don't be afraid to go to God. He's just going to ask you one little thing at a time to help you move towards him. And it's always going to be a step of faith. And you're going to need the Lord to help you do it because you're not going to be able to do it on your own. But he's going to prove himself to be faithful. And you'll see progress. And it's going to be amazing. You will defeat the enemy. So, with all that being said, we have this book for, one of every, for everybody in here. Everybody's getting a book. They're free of charge. Um, and because I want you to take this journey with us. And when you take the journey this year, I want you to journal your journey. And I'm going to tell you what I want you to do in this little book. It's not a giant book, so I'm not asking you to get in here and write down your daily diary. This is not what this is about. This is about uh, coming and going before God and making it prayer concerns, goals, your feelings, and different God notes that he gives you through the year. That's what this is going to be. But whenever you get this book, on the very front page, like this, right here, I want you to write, and I don't want you to do this today because you probably won't know the answer today, but I want you to write, why do I want to go on this journey? I want you to know, write, why do I want to go on this journey? And I want you to sit at the feet of the Lord, and between you and the Lord, I want you to come up with a motivation as to why you want to do this journey. And then I want you to know that every day as, from now to as you go through this year, you'll go back to your motivation and you'll read that so that when it gets hard, you'll know your motivation to stay on this journey. On the next pages, I want you to begin to write your long-term goals. You always start with long-term goals. Don't start with short ones. Start with, start with long-term. Start with the goal that's way down in the future and make sure it's a goal that's big enough that you have to have God to do it. Write that goal here, and then I want you to break it down in doable parts. That's a, that's a Pastor Lindell saying from when he was a salesman. His, you know, you break it in doable parts. You get a long-term goal, and then you break it into doable parts. You should have a goal for the year. You should have a goal for the month. You should have a goal for the week. You should have a goal for a day. You know, today I can do this. Today I can do it. And answer that question of why and what my goals are. And then, you know, 
you look at that and you say, by the end of the year, I want my marriage to be X. You know, by the end of the year, I want my finances to be this. If you want to save $10,000 and you don't have a dime, it probably won't happen all at once. But I'm going to say that if you make little bitty incremental steps and you break it down, that that goal can be reached. And you can do something that you never thought you could do because God's going to help you do it. And again, this isn't about your physical being. It's about your spiritual being. It's about God getting you to a place where you can be healthy, mind, body, and soul. If you go to page two and your goal is nothing, you go ahead and turn in your journal. Because if it says nothing there, you've already reached it. <laughs> So there's no reason for you to go on this journey. If you have no goal, you've already reached it. And if that's the way you're living life, then you're reaching your goal all the time, and, and that's why life is just unfolding for you. You need to set goals, and especially for this year, and we want to get there together. So journal how you feel as you make progress. Okay, I'm getting here towards the end. And that's my goal, is to be through And I love this quote, but it's one that requires some thought. You know, when, when one man dances free, the rest look at their shackled feet. And then they either defend the shackles or they risk the dance. And there's going to be a lot of people getting free. And I, I mean a lot of people are going to get free. They're going to get free from things that have handicapped them for years. And this is going to be a year of freedom. It's going to be the best year of a lot of your lives you're going to see things happen that you never dreamed would because we're going to commit it to God. We're going to trust in the Lord with everything we're doing here, and he's going to make it happen because he's going to help us. He wants us to move forward. I don't know if you know that. God wants this church to be spectacular more than I do. He does. He wants it to be a supernatural powerhouse more than any of us do. And it will never be unless we get under the authority of him and start to follow him with everything we can. And, and it's just that simple. We have to follow God because if we follow him, He's going to lead us right into this glory every single time. So we're going to take this journey together. Right now, today, I'm only asking you to make a commitment in your heart that you're going to do it. I'm not asking you for the why or the goals or the anything. I hope you'll do that this week in your journal before the Lord. But I am asking you to make a commitment to, yes, I want to, I want to lay this before the Lord and I want to follow him. Um, you know, I've never, ever, ever, ever done anything like this. I've been doing this 20 years. I've never done anything like this. And uh, I was a little nervous doing it because I realized that this has been a come-as-you-are church for years, and I don't want anyone to feel like I'm changing on them. I mean, I love you just the way you are, and I'm not going to judge you if you don't participate. But I do know there's a blessing for you if you do. I do know that God has good things for you because I know God. And I want you to be happy. I want you to be whole. I want you to be healthy. And I want you to have everything God has for you. I want to see some of you up here sharing a testimony. Or some of you up here sharing the word of God. I want to see God moving, moving in your life. I want to see you starting groups in your own home and, and leading people. I want to see you really caring about one another. And when we get ourselves solid, when we feel good about ourselves and where we are with God, it's just, it's just automatic. It just flows out because we're spiritual people. So 
Let's stand together and let me pray. If your ministry team, come on up. Um, I want to pray for you today that that um, you would be willing to just in your heart of hearts say, God, I'm willing to do this. And then right behind that, once you say, I'm willing to do this, I want you to say to God, I can do all things through you who strengthens me. And so, God, I pray that you'd put that conviction in all of our hearts, that whatever you're challenging us to do, that we wouldn't be afraid and we wouldn't shrink back, but we would say, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. And this year, I'm going to commit to do something with you, Lord, that I can't do by myself. So just ask the Lord and make it, you know, if you're not ready to make a commitment, that's fine too. But I just, if you could today in your own heart, just take this journey with us. Robert, would you share the word you got right before church? Keith, we have this microphone on, please. I have a word that just shown me in intercessory prayer today that uh, that uh, this is the year the Lord is removing those things that can't be shaken so that the things that do remain will be established. This is the year that the Lord is establishing us corporately and individually. And I just really feel that the Jesus is shaking off the good so he can establish the bad. Amen. That's good. Great. So if you need prayer for any shaking off, uh, me and Jimmy are going to be here to pray for you. Amen. Thank you. So if you need prayer for any reason, um, maybe you don't know the Lord at all. Maybe you're like Chuck Malaire and you need to fall on your knees and open your heart to God and say, God, help me. Help me to do what I can't do. And, and he'll be right there with you. So if you're willing to do that today, you, they're up here to pray with you. Uh, don't, there's no, don't be embarrassed about that. And uh, also, if you need prayer for anything, if you're sick or, you know, if you're just having emotional struggles, mental confusion, you know, if your mind is confused, uh, we're here to pray with you and to bring God's perfect will over your life. So God be with your people. Be blessed this week, y'all. If God's through with you, then we are too. So, all right. We love you.